rolling? We got two producers. If you listen closely enough, you can hear the snores of producer number two. Austin's on, sleeping through another one. We'll have him back on the show soon enough, as soon as you can stay awake. But until then, welcome back to the road to Paris. Good day, mate. That's right. I had to break out an Australian accent. Had to try. That is the reason I got my Hancock prospecting jersey from Coolangatta, Australia a year ago. That's because Zach Schubert and Thomas Hodges, the biggest winners by far from the Yermala Challenge. They are literally the winners. They won the gold medal. It's the first major Australian gold medal I can recall. And by major, I always mean, I just always need to clarify, four star and above in the erstwhile star system or challenge and above in the new challenge elite 16 and future system. They won gold. They won eight straight matches. They came out of the qualifier, won two matches. They were seeded Q12, so they needed an upset win just to break out of the qualifier. Won the pool of death, which included Triborn and Came Shock, Hendrik Moll and Matthias Bernstein, a team who had won a bronze medal challenge earlier in Itapema this year. Then they had to beat Robin Seidel and Moritz Pristals, but they didn't have to beat them, but that was in the pool of death with them. Robin Seidel and Moritz Pristals, they had also won a bronze medal. So three of the four teams in that pool have won a medal in a challenge this year. Zach Schubert and Tom Hodges now have won a gold. The other two, Hendrik and Matthias of Norway, they took ninth in Yermala. They had won a bronze. The Austrians have won a bronze. The only team actually in that pool of death who hasn't won a medal this year is Triborn and Came Shock. They ended up taking a fifth. More on them later. But Hodges and Schubert won. First thing I have to point out, great dudes. I met them last year at the Kulangata Futures. They are Awesome guys, huge arms. They just rip at everything. When they beat Andre and George in the finals, which I was commentating, they lost the first set 21-10, and I thought, there's no way. Their legs are gone. Their style of play, it's physical. They swing hard. They hit hard. They're toast. And then they were tied 15-15, got a side out 16-15. Hodges, block, block. Schubert, two aces to close it, went to three, somehow found enough gas in the tank to win the gold medal. And afterwards they said, you know what? We swing big. We're going to get blocked big. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging. They did not go down one single time, a clean sweep, straight run through the gold medal and a gold medal run, not necessarily a gold medal run, but just a good tournament was needed by the Australians. They'd had a tough year. They ended 2022 on a super strong note. They had a silver medal at the Torquay Elite 16, lost to Arno Gaultier and Yusuf Crew in that final. Coming into this year, they were pretty hot, as was Chris McHugh and Paul Burnett, their countrymen from Australia. Mark Nicolaitis and Isaac Carricker, also from Australia, had a decent year. So the Australian Men's Federation was on the up, and then all three teams kind of had a, a slow start. Schubert and Hodges, they took a fifth in La Paz, was a promising start, but then they lost first round of the Tepic qualifier. They lost first round of the Uberlandia Elite 16 qualifier. They were back in challenge qualifiers, and bam, gold medal. Now they are back up into the Olympic ranks. I believe they're now number 14 in the Olympic ranks. That's the first Australian gold medal in an event since the Cambodia two-star in 2020. Uh, well, I stand somewhat corrected. So Mark Nicolaitis and Isaac Carricker, they won gold in the Futures in Coolangatta last year. Don't really count Futures. It's similar to counting kind of a Norseka win. Really only count challenges and above. So McEwen Burnett, they've also won gold in the Commonwealth Games, which is a pretty big event. But as far as the World Tour goes, this is a significant one for the Australian men. So a huge shout-out must go to Thomas Hodges and Zach Schubert. Phenomenal run. 
phenomenal run to a gold medal. And then guess where they went? Straight to China for the Asian Championships. I don't know if or where you can stream it. I'll try to find information on that. That is critical for World Championships and also just for points in general. But that's this upcoming weekend in China. So no rest for the gold medalists heading straight over to China from Yamala, Latvia. The second biggest storyline for the men must go to the Brazilian men. So the last road to Paris, I had several requests. I didn't do a struggle bus. And I had several people messaging me saying, why aren't there Brazilian men on the struggle bus? Well, here we have it. Three of the four semifinalists in Latvia were Brazilian men. George and Andre, back in the finals, they had won a gold medal at the Itapema Challenge. Back in the finals, took a silver medal, lost to the Aussies in a very well-fought gold medal match. Then you have Evandro and young King Arthur Mariano. Honestly, they should have been in the finals. They were up 13-11 in the third set on George and Andre. Then George went full George of the Jungle, had a great couple digs, good saves at the end, put them back in the gold medal match. Evandro and Arthur, they took a fourth place. That's their second fourth place of the season. They lost in that bronze medal match to Hinato Lima and Vitor Philippe, who lost to the Aussies in the semifinals. So the Brazilian men now have two gold medals this season. Evandro and Arthur won the second in Sakurima. They have one silver that was won by George and Andre this week in Yermala. One bronze that was won by Hanato and Vitor. And then Evandro and Arthur also have two fourths. That's a lot of action. Now, granted, all of those high finishes are in challenge events. We have yet to see the Brazilian men really perform at the Elite 16 level, but it's just such a gamble. Uh, the Elite 16s, it's just a roll of the dice. You know, you look at, there have now been two finals, two challenge finals that have happened in Elite 16 qualifiers. So Evandro and Arthur played Chase Budinger and Miles Evans in the finals in Sakurima and then played them in the first round of the Ostrava qualifier. They ended up winning that one and then losing in the second round of the qualifier. Melissa Humana Paredes and Brandy Wilkerson, they just played Zoe Verge-Dupre and Esme Bobner in a final. They also played them in the Ostrava Elite 16 qualifier. So these Elite 16s, they are just gnarly. Now I'll have more on the Swiss and Melon Brandy in a bit, as well as potential strategy switches as we extend this Olympic race, whether to even bother playing Elite 16s at all if you're straight into the main draw of challenges. But the Brazilian men now have spots three, four, and five in the Olympic ranks. They are behind Anders Molen, Christian Sorum of Norway, David Amon, and Jonathan Helvig of Sweden. Then it's Evandro and Arthur, George and Andre, and Hanato and Vitor. Now, they haven't all played the same amount of events, so the best metric to use is points per event. Evandro and Arthur currently have 3,960 total points. That's 565.7 points per event. They are actually number two. Number one in points per event is George and Andre. They're averaging 603.3 points per event. And then the third team in the Brazilian Olympic race is Hanato and Vitor at 563.3. So they're basically even, evenly matched with Evandro and Arthur. Typically the Brazilian Federation will select their Olympic teams by the end of the first calendar year of the Olympic race. From what I've been told, that's not the case this year. They're going to see it out all the way through June 9th of 2024. So this year is still vitally important, but it's not a do or die situation that it has been in the past. So that is going to be a fascinating Olympic race to watch. 
Now, the third biggest storyline for the men from Yermala is the American men, Triborn and Came Shock and Trevor Crab and Theo Bruner. They just continue to stay neck and neck. Both had opportunities in the quarterfinals. Both went three in the quarterfinals. Try and Came lost a heartbreaker to George and Andre in a rematch of the Uberlandia ninth place match that uh, Try and Came won. Trevor and Theo lost to Hinato and Vitor also in three. And so both took a fifth place finish and they are just neck and neck. Try and try. I still say try and Trevor. I can't. It's the old Freudian slip. Gets me every week. Try and came are now averaging 492 points per event. And Trevor and Theo are right behind them about 484. So try and came are now the number nine team in the world in the Olympic ranks. Trevor and Theo, number 10, neck and neck. Miles Partain and Andy Benish didn't bother playing the Yamala Challenge now that they are directly into the main draw of Elite 16s. You don't need to play challenges if you're straight in the main draw of Elites. That's where you want to be. Once you're in there, ignore the challenges. Don't risk your points. You want to be straight in as long as you can. And also now that Miles and Andy have a guaranteed world championship bid from the Norseka qualifier two weeks ago, which more on that also in a bit, they don't have to worry about playing a ton of events this year. You can just sort of rest, pick the events you want to play. In their case, that's going to be the Stad Elite 16 coming up at the same time as the Hermosa Beach AVP. And so Miles and Andy, they're down points-wise, but their average per event is significantly higher than Try and Came and Trev and Theo. And both of the American teams understand that Miles and Andy are the true leaders in the American men's race, despite being down in the ranks at the moment. They just haven't played the same amount of events. So three events behind Try and Came and Trev and Theo. Now, for well, one more minor storyline from the men. So the Polish Federation has had a bit of upheaval. So Bartosz Woszak and Michael Brill, nothing's happened there. They are still the number one Polish team. They're going to make the Olympic Games, no problem. Still, in my mind, one of the best teams in the world. However, Piotr Kantor and Maciej Rudol, they have split up. Kantor has picked up the guy who, in my mind, has been one of the best defensive prospects I've seen in such a long time in Jakub or Kuba Zybek, he is outstanding. He won the Polish National Championships a year ago with Pavel Lewandowski. They knocked out Taylor Crabb and Taylor Sander in pool play in the Espino Challenge a year ago. Kuba is a next-level defender, and Lewandowski is a very good blocker. I just don't think that he was good enough to carry to stay with Cuba. And so now Cuba's partnered with Cantor, who played fantastic. They took a fifth. They beat Paolo Nicolai and Sam Coltafava. It was a big tournament for them. I don't know if there's enough time for them to get into world championships or for them to make a legitimate Olympic run. They're going to need to have some big finishes, but a fifth in their first challenge is big. Now, Rudol is now with Lewandowski. I'm not super bullish on them. I'm very bullish on Cantor and Zybek. So that's a team that if you haven't watched them play, I highly recommend it. Zybek is wildly talented, has a big jump serve, really fast arm, very high on Cantor and Zybek. Now, on to the women. I'm going to pause real quick and just have a little... YK water break. All right. For the women, Melissa Humana Paredes, try to add as many R's to her last name as possible, and Brandy Wilkerson. They are, to quote the great Dennis Green, who we thought they were. When they partnered up together, 
I immediately thought that they were going to be one of the best defensive teams in the world. Melissa was voted the best defender in the world in 2019, was also the AVP defender of the year that same year. Brandy was the blocker of the year in 2018. Her and Heather Bansley were once the number one team in the world. Mel and Sarah Pavin were once the number one team in the world. You put them together and you make some magic happen. They are now, in my mind, the best defensive team in the world. Brandy has now led two straight tournaments in blocks. She led the Ostrava Elite 16 in blocks. She led Yermala Challenge in blocks. They won their first gold medal as a team. They won their first AVP as a team. They've won their first medal in Ostrava as a team. And now that they are, they're back straight into the main draws of Elite 16s where they belong. I wouldn't expect them to see, I wouldn't expect to see them in many challengers from here on out, except for maybe in Edmonton, which is coming up in a couple weeks. You always want to play at home in Canada, but Mel and Brandy, they are fantastic. They only dropped one set all weekend. That was the very first set of their weekend against Kelly Kalinske and Haley Harward. And then they just ran the table. Swept Tina Gradina and Anastasia Samoylova in the semifinals. And then they swept Esme Bobner and Zoe Verge-Dupre in the finals. And they were just a tour de force. They remind me a little bit, honestly, and this is going to sound a bit hyperbolic, but they remind me a little bit of Anders Moe and Christian Sorum in that they're so good defensively that they were down 13-18 in their quarterfinals against China. And they were just all good vibes, laughing, smiling, because they can trust their defense to put the pressure back on. And blink and you missed it, they won that set 22-20 and then steamrolled in the second set. There's just no deficit that's too great when you have that type of defensive pressure. When you have Brandy at the net and then Mel, one of the smoothest and savviest defenders in the world right behind her, it's just, it's such a recipe for disaster for the other teams because you have to side out at such an exceptional rate just to keep pace with Mel and Brandy. And so they are... On their way up into the world ranks, they're now number, I believe, nine, number nine in the Olympic rankings, and I don't think they'll drop out of the top 10 for the remainder of this race. Now, the team they played in the finals, storyline number two, Zoe Verge, Dupre, and Esme Bobner. They have just been knocking and knocking and knocking on the door. They have made five quarterfinals in the last year and a half. They hadn't medaled yet, hadn't medaled since the Prague two-star of 2021, where the lovely Delaney played with Zana Muno. <laughs> Had to throw it in. No, you played Bruno. You weren't in Prague. All right, she wasn't in Prague. She was in Bruno. But Zoe and Esme, they've just been knocking on the door, knocking on the door. They hadn't quite meddled. They've been contending with teams. They had fists in Elite 16s. They had fists in Challengers. Finally, they get their finals appearance. They get the big silver medal, and they did so in such a cool way where – they beat Anouk Verge-Dupre and Joanna Mater. That's the first time that Zoe has beaten Big Sis. Was 0-3 against Anouk coming into that. Beat them in pool play. Beat Betsy Flint and Julia Scholes in the first round of elimination. Beat a couple Brazilian teams to get into the finals. And then they, they played well against Mel and Brandy. And they, they showed that they can contend with the best teams in the world. Now, Zoe and Esme are now the number six team in the Olympic ranks. It's a bit deceiving because Nina Brunner and Tanya Huberly they have only played a handful of events, so they're way down. Similar to Miles Partain and Andy Benish, how their points per event is significantly higher. So once Nina and Tanya get their events in, they'll likely pass Zoe and Esme. But that number two Swiss women's spot is going to be pretty tightly contested between Anouk and Joanna and Zoe and Esme. It's just fun to see a team that's been on the cusp of breakthrough for so long, finally get that breakthrough. So a big congrats to Zoe and Esme for playing fantastic and just grinding and grinding and grinding. They have just traveled 
everywhere in the world and they finally get that silver medal and i'm excited to see them continue to move forward they should get the wild card i don't know what the wild card situation is for the stad elite 16 because both the other swiss teams should be straight into the main draw so zoe and esme should be in position to get that wild card into the main draw and that'll be a, a big opportunity for them to make moves the number three team Number three storyline from Yermala is Tina Gradina and Anastasia Samoylova. They've been good, not great this year. They've had a couple fifths in Elite 16s. They had a couple 13ths. Even that 13th they took in Ostrava, they still beat Anna Patricia and Duda, and they swept them. And so you know that that great European championship-level team is in there. They just hadn't quite performed. Bronze medal at home in Yermala won a very tough, tightly contested match between Victoria Lopez and Tana Silva, who are playing pretty fantastic this season. And so it was a big medal for them. Always happy to see Tina have success. She's a, a very popular player here in the United States, given her multiple national championships at USC. A lot of the American players love her. I, I enjoy watching her play just because she's such a good athlete at the net. And then Anastasia balled out. So it's good to see them resuming their form they are now number 10 in the olympic race but because they've struggled in elite 16s they're back in elite 16 qualifiers and that's just not where you want to be as i mentioned earlier there's just such a roll of the dice and a gamble you could see one of the best teams in the world in elite 16 qualifier so stad will be a very important event for them they need to make it out of the qualifier need to get a couple points a couple big points so they they finally get themselves out of those qualifiers that's just not where you want to be now on to the struggle bus. We didn't do a struggle bus last time because it was just after an Elite 16. And I, and I just think if, if you lose an Elite 16, you, you just that's not enough to put you on a struggle bus. However, if you're losing a challenge, if you're losing a couple challenges in a row, that puts you in big trouble. Doing so is Daniele Lupo and Enrico Rossi. When I saw that they teamed up, I thought it'd be a pretty good team. And I still think there is a good team in there. They've just been struggling. They took a 17th. They barely broke pool, and right now in the Olympic race, they're averaging just 440 points per event. And as I mentioned in the road to Paris after the Ostrava Elite 16, the number that is projected to be the cut line, so to speak, is about 600 points per event. So they're about 160 below that. They're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to get some big wins. And right now they're stuck in challenge qualifiers. And even though it's just a challenge, those are also nasty affairs. So... Rossi and Lupo, they're in a pretty big hole, especially with how well Adrian Carambula and Alex Rangieri are playing. But relative good news for them, even though you never want to root against your own countrymen, is that Paolo Nicolai and Sam Cotafava are also somewhat on the struggle bus. They took a ninth here in Yermala. They lost to Cantor and Zybek, my new favorite Polish team. And so this year they have made just one quarterfinal. They've played five events Four out of those five have been outside of the quarterfinals. They have no podiums yet. So I, I still think they're one of the best teams in the world. I still think talent-wise, they're a top 10 team in the world. They just don't have the finishes right now to back that up. The last team on the struggle bus is Paul Burnett and Chris McHugh. Aussies, great dudes, great players. They had a really successful 2022, won a lot of medals this year. They have zero quarterfinals to their name, and they lost in the last round of the qualifier here in Yermala. And so they are probably, I think they're all also on the way to Asian championships. And 
So they're also in need. You got to get out of these challenge qualifiers. And so they, it's not that they're playing bad. Again, a lot of times when you're losing these matches, it's not that you're playing bad volleyball. You're just not winning them. And that's exactly what Schubert and Hodges said after they won their gold medal. They said, you know, the first half of the year, it wasn't successful. We weren't playing bad. We just weren't winning. And all it takes is just one scintillating run through a challenge, and you're right back. Now, for the final section of this road to Paris, the North American report. Already covered a fair amount of the teams. However, two weeks ago, there was a Norseka World Championship qualifier. All you had to do was finish in the top four, and you punched your ticket to World Championship. So it was a very important tournament there in Punta Cana. Sam Schachter, my partner. Love the guy, him and Dan Deering. They qualified. They beat the Dominican Republic in their quarterfinal. Nicaragua, who Nicaragua is a very good team. It's two. I want to say the guys are about five foot ten, maybe five foot nine. Really crafty, lefty and righty. Good ball control. If you have the chance to watch them at World Championships later this year, please do so because yeah, you might see Nicaragua on the list and think that they're bad. But I watched them beat Jose Rubio and Jose. Yeah, Jose Rubio and Josue Gassiola, who should be the number one team in Mexico if they continued playing for the Federation. They've since dropped out, but they were a phenomenal team, and I saw Nicaragua beat them. So Nicaragua's very good. Uh, Cuba also qualified. Miles Partain and Andy Benish also qualified. They likely won't use their bid. Their bid does not trickle down to another American team. It goes to the next highest finisher, which is Guatemala. Uh, for the women, it was Puerto Rico. Sophie Bukovic and Shanice Marcel, fiance of Dan Deering, they qualified. Good to see Sophie having success again on the Beach Pro Tour. Uh, the Dominican Republic, and then the last was Kelly Klinsky and Haley Harward. They also likely won't use that bid. That bid will be taken probably by Betsy Flint and Julia Skulls. As a reminder for World Championships, there is a country quota of four teams per federation. If you qualify four teams via points, which is the top 24 teams in the world based on their best six finishes in the 2023 season, if four teams from your federation qualify, the deadline is the Hamburg Elite after the Hamburg Elite 16, then you cannot use the continental bid to get there. Betsy and Julia will probably get that, barring something really strange. Uh, if they don't, then it'll go to Kelly and Haley. And then if Betsy and Julia do use that. Their bid will go to the Cuban women. Now, while on the topic of Kelly Klinsky and Haley Harvard, they qualified. It's a good finish. They took a set off Melon Brandy. They played well, and they just didn't win. They didn't break pool, lost to Melon Brandy, lost to Finland, who is a very good team, in Nina Atianen and Taru Lati. They have an outside shot at making the Olympic Games, but Kelly and Haley, they just continue to be so close and just not taking advantage of the opportunities because Betsy and Julia only finished ninth. And so that was a good chance for Kelly and Haley to take advantage, gain some points on them. It was a good chance for Emily Stockman and Megan Kraft to gain some points on them. Megan Emily also finished ninth. So two missed chances for a very deep American women's race. Uh, Sarah Pavin back on the Beach Pro Tour playing with Molly McBain. Now they didn't qualify. They lost to... Kalinsky and Harward. I was very impressed with Molly. I think offensively, they looked very good. Have a couple defensive things to shore up. I think they, they missed a couple opportunities to push that one to three against Kelly, Kelly and Haley. But 
They do have an outside shot at making world champs, especially with an Elite 16 in Montreal and a challenge in Edmonton, where Canada will have wild cards into the main draw. I would expect the Montreal wild card to go to Pavin and McBain. I don't know that. And then I would expect the Edmonton main draw spot probably will go to Sophie and Shanice. I also don't know that, but that's just what I would expect to happen. So if if Pavin and Molly are able to have a good finish in Montreal, good high Elite 16 finish, those points will be big to get them into World Champs. Get to World Champs, all bets are off. Anything can happen in regards to this Olympic race. That is it for the North American Report. That is it for this week's Road to Paris. Next up is the Stad Elite 16 that conflicts with the Hermosa Beach Pro Series AVP. And then there are challenges in Espino, Portugal, Montreal, Canada, and then there are Edmonton, Canada, and then there's a challenge in Montreal. Now, I will be out of town in Alaska with the Knutson clan. We are celebrating the return of Jake Knutson from his mission in the faraway lands of Wisconsin. So I will not be doing a road to Paris after Espino. I'll be competing in a tournament in Florida during Edmonton. So the next one will be after Stad. And then after that, the next one will probably not be till Montreal, or maybe I'll do one after Edmonton TBD. But as always, good hanging with you guys on the road to Paris, chatting Elite 16, chatting Olympic Beach Volleyball and Elite 16, whatever you want to call it. Congrats to the Aussies. Good day, mate. Shoots. <laughs>